Thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our special guest speaker encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Well, it's so good to be with you. Uh, we're glad to be here. We've been friends of the Colters and friends of this house for decades now. I had a really good uh, chat with Pastor Brent. It was a long chat, too. I like picking his brain about different things, and uh, I'm just really glad that uh, I count him as a colleague, I count him as a friend. And uh, you have a good pastor, you know that? He has a good head on his shoulders, he has wisdom, he's knowledgeable, he loves people, he loves God, and uh, I just enjoy our relationship. All right. So, I feel inspired today to um, teach on hope, and uh, so our text is going to be John chapter 13, and uh, 13 and 14 for the, uh, our tech department there, I'm going to read from the, um, from the New Living Translation, I don't know if you have it, and uh, it'll be one verse after another. We're going to pick it up towards the end of uh, John chapter 13. Um, in uh, verse 33, this is the last discourse, the last speech of Jesus. Last words are really important because after this, uh, he's going to uh, be betrayed and he's going to the cross, then he's going to die and be raised again for the redemption of mankind and the forgiveness of our sins. But lasting words are really important. Last words are lasting words. Last words are extremely important. And there's a lot of uh, verses here that we know uh, by heart and we're familiar with. This is when Jesus gave the new commandment. This is when he washed the disciples' feet. This is when he taught us that if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we have to become servants. This is when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is the passage where he uh, uh, talked about so many things, where he talked about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pick it up because I believe it's real relevant to what we are living uh, today. And so we're ready. I was looking for a clock because once once I start ministering, I enter eternity and... uh, Time slows down, it all gets in slow motion, and, uh, and uh, you know, whew, an hour goes by, and, uh, and I'm still having fun, and, you know, people are leaving and going home. <laughs> but we're not going to do that. We're real del- diligent. We have, uh, and we're going to uh, stay within, you know, my wife is here. We have three uh, wonderful daughters, and uh, our daughters keep me young, keep me uh, hip, they keep me in line, <laughs> you know, they say, Dad, you know, when they go, Dad, then you know that, uh, you know, uh, I better pay attention. All right, but there it is. I was looking for it because I'm going to keep my eye on it because I believe that I have uh, an assignment. I have uh, uh, something that I sense that I should minister on, and it's from the Word of God, and I believe that uh, the Word of God will bless you today. All right, we ready? So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Uh, We ask him to help us to understand your word, inspire me to minister and inspire us to hear your word, Father. Open our minds and our hearts. Do a work inside of us in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
We'll pick it up right at uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 33. So Jesus said, again from the New Living Translation, uh, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So he's telling them, I'm going to go somewhere, and you cannot come right now at this moment. You cannot go where I am going. And then uh, he gives the new commandment in uh, verse 34 and verse 35. Uh, he talks about, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. And it's interesting that love is sandwiched right in the middle of it because now abide faith, hope, and love. And faith, hope, and love go together. Hope doesn't travel alone. It travels with faith and love. Love doesn't travel alone. It travels with faith and hope and so on. And so it's really important. And then uh, he says again in verse 36, so Peter asks him, and he says, Lord, well, where are you going? Isn't that an intelligent question? Jesus says, I'm going somewhere. Uh, you can't come. Uh, you know, Peter's thinking, Peter, all the disciples are thinking, you know, we left everything to follow you. We thought this was going to be a forever proposition. And now you're telling us that you're going to go somewhere. And where you're going, we can't come. But you told us to follow you. So they have sincere questions. They're sincerely perplexed here. And Jesus is telling them, you can't go where I'm going. And Peter says, hey, uh, you know, well, where are you going? That's, that's a real intelligent question. Obviously, they're not happy with what Jesus is saying, right? Uh, they're disturbed by what he's saying. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit in their plan. It doesn't fit in their thinking. Now, has anything happened recently in the last few months in your life that has not fit your plan and your thinking. I think that's happened worldwide. I think all of us find in a situation, find ourselves in a situation where we've had things happen that they weren't what we planned, they weren't what we were thinking, and in fact, some of it is just so far out, so far-fetched, I don't think anybody could have guessed six months ago, that we would, uh, the things in the world and things in our churches and things in our nation would be where they are now. So that, that's why this passage really is applicable to us today, right? So Jesus in verse 37, he tells them, listen, you can't come now, but why, can, can, why can't, can't I come now, Lord? This is Peter still talking. Peter says, well, why can't I come? I mean, I want to come. Why can't I come? I'm supposed to follow you. Why can't I come? And, and again, he's really trying to understand what's going on. And, and, and he's sincere. You know, Peter said, I will die. I will lay down my life for you. And, you know, eventually he did. And, and so the question is, well, where is Jesus going? Well, he's going to the cross, right? He's going to suffer. He's going to die. And then he's going to be raised again from the dead. Now, Here's the issue. Here, here's, here are the emotional and the psychological issues. Um, I have a degree in psychology, and that was my passion and my study in University of Toronto. When then God saved me, 
and uh, and then thank God I became a pastor. I don't say that with nostalgia, like I wish I had done something else. I'm actually glad glad that saved me, and and uh, I believe I can be more effective as a pastor. But it's always been my passion to put theology and psychology together. Good psychology, Bible psychology. You know that one of the names of Jesus is the counselor. He's a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. Jesus did a lot of counseling in, uh, in the New Testament. So here are the underlying issues. Well, Jesus were used to being with you. They had been intimate with Jesus for three years. They had been everywhere with him, and now he's saying, I am leaving. But yet they expected to be with them forever. But they're trying to understand. They don't have the same understanding that we do now. You know, after the resurrection and with the Holy Spirit, we understand many things. Uh, and, and they did too on the day of Pentecost. Remember, this is before Pentecost. So they're trying to understand what is going on. And so, but we feel that too. Anybody here have a college age uh, son or daughter that left for college and went to college, right? Well, when that happens, we, we, are, we, are, uh, we have some of the same emotions because uh, letting go is not easy. And so it's like when, when our kids grow up and either they get married or they go off to college, uh, it's not a difficult, it's a difficult moment. It's a challenging moment. And, uh, uh, and, and joy decreases, joy goes down, and, and hope goes down, because letting go is not easy. Because hope, and we're talking about hope this morning, is tied to predictability and normality, something called normal. Which right now we're in the midst of going to a new normal. Well, going from a normal to a new normal is turmoil. It's difficult time because we're leaving something that's familiar and we're going to something, but we don't know exactly what it looks like or we don't know exactly what it's going to be. Um, it's kind of like when Abraham left where he was and he obeyed God. The, the book of Hebrews says that he didn't know where he was going, but all that we can hang on to is that we trust God and we believe God and we know that in the end it will be better than what it was before but we're not there yet, and we don't know what it looks like, and so there's some emotion to deal with. Am I talking to the right people, or can you identify with this? Right? And so, when you take away the normal, but Jesus, you know, we're with you, we walk with you, and, 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 and we stay together all the time, and we eat together, and we sleep together, and we do miracles, and we hear you teach, and now you're saying that you're going to leave us, but we left everything to follow you, and we can't go where you're going, like this is too much of a radical change here. <clears throat> we don't get it, and, and they're struggling with this. And, and, and they're trying to uh, get their mind around it and their heart around it. And so uh, Jesus predicts Peter denial, and, and we'll, we'll skip over that because it's really not relevant to what we're talking about. But so psychologists would say this, that what the disciples, you know, there's different levels of anxiety, right, really quickly. So you have situational anxiety. A new situation arises and you get anxious over it just because it's different, right? Uh, uh, lose a job, <clears throat> have a job interview, and uh, it makes us uncomfortable. 
And, and, then, and then there is, the, and this is what the disciples are experiencing. Now, what we don't want to go, and we don't want to go from a situational anxiety because anxiety caused by a situation, we don't want to go to acute stress because that's not good. See, now acute stress gets over into uh, something that becomes uh, more chronic and it's due to something a lot more serious. Like if, if, uh, if, uh, if someone goes to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you have cancer, you're going to die in three months, that would, that's not a situational anxiety. That's a lot more intense, and it falls into acute stress. And then from that, we don't want to get to chronic. Chronic uh, stress is not good because that's when, we don't, when we're not able to solve the new situation, the situational anxiety, and we're not able to solve the acute stress, then it can become chronic. And then we can be uh, depressed and all kinds of things can happen. And, but what they're living is situational anxiety. The disciples are saying, okay, we're used to this. This is normal. <clears throat> we expected something and it's not happening. It's a new situation. It's a different situation. And we feel uncomfortable and we have to uh, process it through. And so what happens is uh, we get distortion, cognitive distortion in our mind. You know, our thinking becomes affected, our emotions become affected, uh, our, our hope, our reasoning, our imagination, even our perception becomes affected. Because, you know, we can start to uh, see things always in a dark way or always in a stressful way. So, uh, because hope is not only tied to a normal, hope is also tied to uh, our expectation of the future. And this is where I want the scripture to take us right now and concentrate on, is our expectation of the future. Their expectation, what did they expect? They expected Jesus to be there with them forever. They expected to be with Jesus forever. You listening? But they expect, I know you are, they expected Jesus to restore the kingdom to Israel, politically and militarily. They weren't thinking spiritually yet. They understood later, when they got filled with the Spirit, they understood that the kingdom of God is not of this world. But do you remember after he rose again, one of the first questions they asked him is, are you going to now restore the kingdom of Israel? Meaning, they thought that the Messiah would militarily defeat uh, the Roman Empire and set uh, Israel free, and they would go back to the days of King David. Now, this is really important because this is their mindset. And they expected something but it wasn't what God had planned. And anytime we expect something, but it's not the plan of God, we're going to feel anxiety. We're going to feel discomfort. We're going to feel stress. We're going to feel uneasy. We're going to feel exactly like they did. And so it's a disappointment. You, know, you can say, boy, you're really getting negative. I'm not getting negative at all. I want us to identify with the text and identify with them. Then we're going to look at the solution. But first we need to understand what they're going through and identify 
with what they're going through because then it speaks to us. Have you ever expected something, but then it didn't go the way that you planned it? Put your hand up if it's ever happened. We can all understand this. <laughs> and if we can open our hearts and receive what Jesus, because Jesus is ministering to them. And he can't uh, uh, spare them the pain of what they're going to go through. They're going to, Peter is going to deny Jesus. And they're going to see Jesus suffer, Jesus die a horrible death. And they're going to see all their dreams shattered. So much shattered that Peter, after Jesus died, you know what he said? He said, I'm going back to fishing. That's later in the book of John. He literally says, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going to pick up my old profession that I, you know those nets and those boats and those hooks that I left? I'm going to pick it up now. And since Peter was the influencer, they all went with them. <laughs> they did. So it's a major shift here because what they thought uh, uh, was going to happen was not going to happen. And notice, it's a combination of them. It's also uh, something that's rooted in they had the wrong expectation. They were wrong. Whenever we hope for something or believe for something, we need to make sure that it's the plan of God for us. Otherwise, we're wrong. You know, if we think something, you know, I think, well, I'm going to be a billionaire. Well, you better check with God if, if that's God's plan for you because you may be disappointed. Now, I didn't say God wouldn't meet your needs, but those are two different things. And I didn't say that God doesn't want you blessed. He does want you blessed. And he does want to meet your needs. And he wants to bless us more than we can think or imagine. But, but I, uh, as far as being a billionaire, like, you know, starting on Amazon or something, we have to make sure that it's God's plan for us or we even be disappointed. But so the point is that Jesus is now going to minister to them. And we know what the consequences of, of low hope or no hope part, like the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, hope put off or delayed. Defer means to put off or delay. So if I'm trusting for something and I'm trusting for something and I'm trusting for something and it constantly gets put off or it constantly being delayed, it's going to make my heart sick. It's going to be depressing. It's going to be discouraging. It's going to be frustrating, but it's important that we receive the answer that Jesus gave because he didn't leave them orphaned. He didn't leave them hopeless. He does minister to them, and he does give them an answer, but the answer is not what they thought. Many times the answer in this sense that it's not a formula. The answer is not, you know, three steps to this, five steps to that, or a nice formula. I think anytime we, we reduce the gospel to a formula, uh, we do damage to the gospel. The gospel is not a formula. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with God. And so I'll start to, if, if my hope is deferred or delayed, 
I'll start to get uh, uh, sad. I'll start to get depressed. I'll, I'll think uh, things negatively. You know, self-pity, right? And then uh, I'll start to catastrophize, you know, think called doom and gloom. Have you seen how many doom and gloom prophets have come out recently in the past few months? Like doom and gloom, the end, Armageddon, this and that. It's all over. Uh, And you know what? God has not fallen off his throne. He knew all this was going to happen. We're surprised, but he's not. And we're going to see how useful that is to coping, and not just to coping, but to overcoming and to having hope and joy. We're not just supposed to survive. We're supposed to thrive. Amen? And so we need to find a path back. And Jesus gives them the path back. The path back. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Amen? So now we come to the, that's the problem. That, now we can identify. So how does Jesus help them? Well, chapter 14, verse 1. See, and I started on purpose in, in chapter, chap, I started the chapter before because we divide the Bible in chapter and verses, but Jesus didn't divide it in chapter and verses, and it's all one speech. So when he says to them in chapter 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He's referring to everything that he said in the verses before. It's important for us to identify the context and to identify with them so that, we, hey, you know, I'm going through some things that they're going through also. And then these words now make sense to me and the solution makes sense to me. And notice that Jesus said, do not let. It means this, do not allow your heart to be troubled. That means I have a choice. I can let my heart be troubled or I can not let it be troubled. But I have a part in this. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not allow your heart to be troubled. If we are constantly troubled and tormented, we have a part in it to play. And at a certain point, we're going to have to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not going to be troubled anymore. I am not going to be anxious anymore. And then he says, trust in God. So see, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. Trust in God. The only way out is to have hope, and the only way out is to believe or trust in God or have faith in God. Well, why can we trust God? We can trust God because God has a track record. There have been lots of times in the Bible where his people were in trouble and God intervened and got them out of it. So we can trust him. He helped David in front of Goliath. He freed the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. He helped uh, Daniel in the den of lions. Over and over again, God steps in to help his people when his people ask him and his people trust him. But it's not a formula. It's not a step. It's a relationship. But now he says, trust in God, and you can trust in God because he's got a good track record of helping people. And he said, trust in me. 
trust in me. Now, verse 2. This is where we get disconnected because we'll tend to, we tend to take this verse, only talk about heaven, dismember it from its context, and not understand that it's essential to life here on earth. Because he's helping them to overcome uh, this turmoil, emotional turmoil that they had of being separated from Jesus. So in verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Right? So in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, is this talking about the future? Yes, it is. But it's not just talking about the future, it's talking about the present. Because we are the house of God now. We are the temple of God now. Peter interprets this for us. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, You as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. You as living stones are right now. We are right now being built up a spiritual house. So is it wrong to put this off only to a mansion in the sky in the future? No, it's not wrong, but it's incomplete. It's incomplete because we are the house of God right now. And if we don't grasp this, that the kingdom is present but future, that we are the house of God right now, but one day we will be in heaven, we're going to miss a solution and we're going to look to formulas because there is no other solution but oneness with God, oneness with Jesus, and the presence of God in us because we are his house right now. <clears throat> we overcome not because we have formulas, not because we have techniques, but because we are the house of God. We are living stones in the house of God. And how and God lives in you and he lives in me. I couldn't care less about our formulas. He will never leave us nor forsake us or abandon us. He can't. Huh? Am, am I doing okay this morning? Right? <clears throat> I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can be also. Uh, are you ready? Then I'm going to wrap up. This is one of the most, the, here are the key elements. One is union with God. We overcome because we are one with God, we are the habitation of God. Two, we overcome because of our union with Jesus. And then three, in a few verses, we don't have time to get to it today, he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's union with them, it's relationship with them that makes all the difference. I've been walking by faith 40 years. I don't, I don't want to uh, shock my good friend Dr. Coulter there, but there's been times in these 40 years where I've had terrible confession. My wife, can just she's a wonderful woman, she would never say it. And I haven't dropped dead yet. And you know why? Because I won't. Because even if I don't cross my T's, 
and dot my eyes and not always and I, and I think that every person who walks by faith will have to admit that at least one time they said I quit or they said where are you God or I'm perplexed and I'm confused and it's not because I you know I let my confession go it's because I am a habitation of God I'm a habitation of Jesus I'm a habitation of the Holy Spirit they are in me and that makes me invincible It's relationship. And here's what I know, and then I'll stop with this. See, when he said this is so important, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead of you, right? And then I'm going to reach back and take you. It means this, that Jesus, if he goes ahead of us, he's already seen our future. Right? Jesus saw COVID-19 coming. We didn't, but he did. So it means that he goes ahead of me and he is in my future. And he has seen it. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, there's no test, temptation, test or trial that comes to me that God doesn't know about, but it's the enemy that does it. But God makes the way out. Jesus has already seen it. He's already made the way out for me. And from the future, he reaches into my past and thrusts me forward towards his future that he has for me. Is that good or what? See, but none of that is formula. It's relationship. It's not formula. It's relationship. Amen. So he sees our future. He knows our future. He lives in our future. He's already made the way because he is the way. We are caught by surprise, but he's not. So I trust in God the Father. I trust in God the Son. I trust in God the Holy Spirit. Because in this chapter, Jesus reveals that I am the habitation of God, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are too. And that's what makes all the difference. <laughs> Amen? And he is the God of hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. He is the God of hope. He is the source of our hope. Amen? And when he's the source of my hope, you know that old saying, well, don't get your hopes up. Forget that, man. Like we have, we, we have extraordinary, extravagant, infinite hope. Hope and dream as big and as intensely as you can because God is the God of hope. He's the source of our hope. Amen? Amen. And then because of my relationship with him, and my union with him, with the Godhead, I go from the confusion and the despair and the not knowing what the future holds. I go to assurance. The book of Hebrews says that hope is an anchor. How can you stay anchored? Because it's an anchor that reaches into the very presence of God and the throne room of God. Amen? So are these perplexing times, yes or no? 
Look, I'll help you pass the test, okay? Yes, okay? But are we going to let our heart be troubled? Right? Are we going to trust in God? Are we going to have hope? And are we going to have high hope? Why? Because Jesus has gone before us. He has seen it. And he's gone before us to get us out of it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.